Welcome, everybody, to the Robert John and the Rec podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California, that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Henry. I'm Andrew. And I'm Warren. And this is episode 74 for all of y'all out there in Facebook and Instagram land that uh, normally listen to us every week. Apologize. uh, Apologies. To you all, um, uh, we were having an issue with the streaming service, so decided to just pre-record this, and we'll put it out uh, tonight so that you can check in. But we miss you. Yep. We miss you in the comments and uh, just in general. So uh, happy happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. And we'll just say everybody everybody tied for first comment on this yeah. uh, mm-hmm. this one. It's a draw. All right. Debbie and Bruce and Zeke and... Michael, you guys all tie. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, I see a wine glass there. Are you? Uh, yeah. Is that actual wine or is it water? Have you uh, given no, up on the? I completely uh, fall water challenge miserably. I think that's okay. Yeah, I call it a failure. I'm gonna. I think uh, it's good. Uh, you know, I think um, you know, you're the type that uh, likes to drink like every day and. So for you to go any period of time without drinking like that, just to clear your head, is probably like a really, really good thing. I wouldn't look at it as a loss. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Same. It was, it was, it was good. I mean, the, the the week of not drinking was, I mean, it was pretty shit. It was kind of a crazy week. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, timing, timing, I guess, is is everything. And maybe that just was right. not the time. It's like trying to quit smoking while you're on tour. I just am not good with, <laughs> not good with timing, apparently. So. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, made, made it a week. It was it got easier. Like the first couple, you know, crisis crises um, that that arised, um, I was like, oh fuck! I would normally totally have a drink right now, and I didn't, and that made me feel good. I was like, oh, I can get through it and don't have to drink. Yeah, definitely. On uh, what was it Friday? I ended up going out and uh, going to pick up some smokes, and then ran into uh, our good buddy Ian Cullen. Over the Wayfair, and he was like, "Dude, are you all right? Like, you look really bummed." I'm like, "Well, yeah, I haven't showered since Tuesday, and haven't left the house until just now. You know, since Tuesday night." So uh, he was like, "You sound like you need a drink." I'm like, "I probably should." <laughs> it was just the. I think it's more like the missing human connection, you know, and yeah, and normalcy and all that kind of stuff. Plus, just you know, recent current events and shit has been insane to watch and. Yeah, crazy. None, none of it helps. All of it helps. Everything <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> the micro, it's the macro. Yeah, it's all right, man. Yeah, it's and a, it'll get better. You know? It's definitely gonna. Uh, you know, these experiences of of the last year are gonna stoke some real creative fires. I think coming up and in a, in a little bit, so a couple weeks. And I got back into. Uh, doing stuff for Patreon, I, I sent a tune that I did yesterday. I uh, covered uh, Seven Bridges Road by the Eagles. It is so good. Steve and, sent it to me last yeah. night. I've never said that about anything Steve's done. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> just kidding. So everything Steve does is amazing, but this was extra special. I just thought yeah. it was, you know, extra amazing. Uh, it's really simple and he did it in a way that really showcases what his background vocals do, which is really his specialty, you know? And so I thought it was so amazing, 
when, you know, you stripped away all the other stuff, what you're left with is this thing that you were never listening to the whole time that was just sort of built into the mix. That's really awesome. So if you're not subscribed to Steve's Patreon, at least that track's worth yeah. buying and subscribing. So and that comes out to tomorrow Patreon. morning at 8 a.m. on Patreon. Nice, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah those, those super low vocal harmonies that you did are so cool. It's almost like you're playing a pad, but it's your voice. It sounds so awesome. Yeah. And and you played the bass. And I played the bass on it, yeah. Uh, Warren uh, let me borrow one of his basses uh, a couple weeks ago, and and this was my my, uh, maiden voyage with that beast. And she's a (laughs) beaut, man. It was really nice. I like the flat wounds, dude. That's that's cool. Flat wounds are fantastic. Yeah. Henry, how was your week, man? Uh, it was good. Um, I guess I'll continue on the on the train here and just go ahead. Uh, I'm drinking a a, a bullet with uh, Tobo Chico. Ooh, oh, always a winning nice. combination. Bullet bourbon with some Tobo Chico. Um, I thought the ice was going to last a little bit longer. Uh, the ice is all melted now, but it's still good. You know, it's still solid. Um, sounds good, Henry. I'm going to be right back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is good. It is really good. Um, it, it was. Or if I'm not bad, go without me. <laughs> it was a good week, though. Um, it was. It was. You know, kind of a normal week in quarantine, and then um, and then my good buddy Adam uh, gave me a ring. Um, I want to say around Wednesday or Thursday, and um, asked if I was free this weekend to work, and we wound up going out to Joshua Tree of all places, and. Um, basically reenacting uh the movie holes <laughs> <laughs> basically just dug holes uh and and then planted in um giant like well not giant but like eight foot eight foot tall like fence posts basically and uh and uh nailing in um barbed wire with nice. uh, with barbed staples uh and we did it over like i think we put in 40 or 50 posts and ran like 300 feet of barbed wire on each side on four sides uh three times so three layers of barbed wire on each side and then we got a couple more things to finish up so i think we're going to do it again this coming weekend but it was cool to just go out to joshua tree and like as soon as the sun was down it's like well it's not safe to work anymore so we'll just camp on the property um it's a family friend of adam's that we're working for we're helping him finish up his property and I guess he's just been getting stuff stolen. So we just basically made it a little more secure, put fencing around it with barbed wire and stuff. And um, it was cool. Uh, did some pretty intense manual labor and I'm fucking exhausted, <laughs> <laughs> which was nice because, uh, you know, just not not doing a whole lot of, of especially, you know, doing shows. You don't realize how much physical activity that is. So it was cool to just go out and like you're literally just digging holes and hammering crap for hours all day long. And uh, then you look up and you're in Joshua tree and Ham- hammering crap <laughs> instead of get just getting hammered. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And there was a little bit of getting hammered too, as well. Yeah, once, yeah. The, once the day was over, but it was great. No, it was a great view. Um, Joshua, you know, watching the sun go down in Joshua tree is uh, definitely a sight to behold. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we had a really really good viewpoint. Like we could just see the whole area all around us. Um, so it was super cool, super magical, super rad. And got to do some work and um, do something outside of the norm, uh, which was really cool. Nice. Um, 
Was it and, was it mostly like sand or dirt yeah, where you sand. were? Sand, but, yeah. Yeah, it was all sand. Wow. And then sometimes we'd we'd dig like a foot down and we just hit straight rock. Yeah. And it's like you can't dig anymore after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to do. Uh, I, I used to uh, work for a, a event production company that did the Joshua yeah. Tree Music Festivals out there, and we'd always have to dig. We'd sink mm-hmm. the the truss. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, three yeah. feet, four feet in the ground. It's the same stuff. thing, right? Yeah. Oh man, but that's it's such fulfilling work just being outside, and especially yeah. in Joshua Tree, man. I totally hear what you what you're saying about the sunsets yep. and stuff. Like it's just yeah. gorgeous country out there. Yeah. Yeah. Magical. That's really cool, man. Yeah, and then uh, and then I tried a new pizza place too, which Hell we'll yeah. talked about it since we talk about food. I, I freaked out and I I sent Warren because Warren's the pizza guy. <laughs> Warren loves pizza. I'm like, dude, if you are in Joshua Tree, you have to go to this place, um, and it is called I can't remember what it's called. I believe it's called Pie it's called, for it's called the People. Pie for the People. Yeah, yes. dude. Warren remembers. <laughs> Warren remembers, and I don't. And I actually went to the place. It's called Pie for the People. <laughs> It is insane. It is so good. They have amazing specialty pizzas and uh, really, really good hot wings as well, which I love. I'm more of like a hot wings guy than I am like a pizza guy. But the fact that the pizza was amazing and the hot wings really good. I would say it's so far probably my favorite pizza place I've been to in the state of California so far. Damn. Nice. Uh, but it was really, really good. It's called Pie for the People. Pie for the People in uh, Yucca Valley. Pie for the People. Over the People. Pie for the People. And uh, and yeah, and they're really great. nice. I mean, they're really nice folks yeah. too, man. They they used to be one of the vendors at, at the oh, really? Joshua Tree Fest. Yeah. So oh my god, that's yeah, crazy. I spent you know at least twice a year for a week. I was pretty much eating mostly their pizza. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, so you know, yeah. oh, you know yeah. how good it is. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, please say pie for the people. Please say pie for the people. <laughs> yeah, for the people. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, amazing. Super duper good. Um, yeah. How about you, Andrew? What's your week? Um, what are you drinking? I am now drinking uh, bullet rye with bitters and soda water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Um. It was good. Speaking on your um, wings, I went to our old bass player Derek's house. Now everyone in our circle has had COVID, so we can actually like start hanging out with each other again. We call them COVID's only parties. <laughs> um, it was basically four people. Me, like we've all had it before, so now we're making the most of it. And you know, it's the only couple we hang out with because we know we can't get it again. So. Um, we got an air fryer for Christmas, and we hadn't really tried it out on too much stuff. And uh, we had done some kind of vegetable in it, and Derek was like, dude, we should try wings in this thing. So we had a whole night dedicated to trying wings in the air fryer. Oh, my God. And uh, he put together, like, four or five different sauces. He had, like, um, buffalo and... Uh, what else did he do? He did some kind of like Asian, like it was almost like sticky, glazy, sweet uh, nice. soy. It was really good. And then um, I think one of them was like Buffalo Wild Wings, the spicy garlic sauce. Have you ever had that oh, one? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was really good. What was the. Oh, he did a lemon pepper one too. It was yeah. just like Ooh. basically lemon, yes. butter, and, um, you know, spices and stuff like that. And that one was so good too. Yeah, you got my mouth watering over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and they, uh, the air fryer made the wings, like, perfectly. Yeah. 
We can have an air wing party come over, I don't know, Wednesday or something. Yeah. Like that. I, I can I'll, bring my air fryer too, man. We'll, uh, yeah, hell we'll, yeah. We'll compare models. Yeah, I'll bring mine. Bring your own air fryer. Fuck yeah. <laughs> well, actually, my house can't <laughs> handle that. Like, we'll yeah, definitely yeah. just like uh, kill the power. We'll just rent a we'll, generator. No, yeah. what we'll have to do is we'll have to run, because right now we're not running the AC because it's winter, but the AC has its own power supply or its own um, circuit, like on the, the breaker. And, uh, so you could plug in one there, but it's in the living room <laughs> and then have one going in the kitchen. And that's about all we can do before our house will blow up. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, one of the things that mine has that I didn't know when I got it is it has this like rotisserie basket. It's this like steel basket that's constantly spinning while you're cooking the thing in there. So you're like browning all the sides and stuff oh, wow. like that at the same time. Ooh. And we would just, like, open the thing, dump out all the wings into the sauce or whatever, and then, like, eat them instantly. And they were so good. They came out so crispy. And, like, there's nothing special about the wings. It's, like, store-bought and a little bit of salt. They came out perfect. So How many did wings, you make? Like, four pounds. Something Gosh. stupid. And me and Derek, like can eat wings like they're nothing. Like, it, you just put a pile of wings in front of us, they'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, my, uh, that was my weekend. And then working on some of the demo stuff that we've been doing this weekend, and then setting up... I got a new computer, so... Um, as cool as it is, it's always a nightmare to transfer everything from one computer to the next computer, yeah. so... And then making sure uh, everything still works, which Steve is still going through the nightmare. Yep. So, yep. Um, they, yeah. They. Uh, that's one of the things that I just wish that they would figure out because it's just it's so frustrating, man. And it's like you can't. I don't know. I'm I'm an I'm an Apple guy, so it's. I, I know all my PC friends are like, well, yeah, just build your own computer. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and half the programs I use are you know proprietary for. Yeah, yeah, and stuff. So, and I, I really like the workflow, but I like the workflow better of like the 2012, 2013 models rather than whatever new shit they're coming out with. It's fast. Yeah, but nothing works. Yeah, exactly. It's like That's buying a Lamborghini, and then there's no ports. Now LA, I'm like in like, USB C yeah. world, and I have to have like nine adapters on my desk. Yeah, uh. and the adapters like are they're they're all third party, the mm, ones that yeah. I have, and so there's like. It's messing with with audio signals and data transfers and all this other crap. And, yeah, I wish I could take a picture of how my desk looks right now. <laughs> There's just like a hornet's nest of cables for all these drives and the audio interfaces and stuff. And oh my God. I have two. Uh, I have a USB hub and this other dongle hub, and there's like at least a hundred things getting plugged into both of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Well, back to my kitchen, because my house has no outlets anywhere. But you know when you put one of those things that has, like, nine outlets because that's the <laughs> only thing you have there? Yeah. And you have to plug everything into that thing? It looks oh, like yeah. that. Each each one's got, you know, just daisy-linked chains of, of surge protectors and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Fire hazard. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. one, like, spill glass of water away from <laughs> not having a house anymore. What about you, War? What are you, what are you drinking? What did you do this weekend? <sighs> Um, well, I guess to Henry's pizza thing, um, I've really been into, uh, the Barstool Sports pizza review app, which is called the One Bite app. Dave Portnoy, or the Prez as they call him, does these pizza reviews. He's the guy who owns Barstool Sports, which is essentially kind of like a, 
Instagram meme page for sports stuff, but he does these pizza reviews and I'm super into it because I like pizza. However, he lives on the East Coast, so I can never get to any of the spots that he actually reviews. So I don't really know what his scoring is like versus my palate. And there are a couple places in LA that he has gone and he has reviewed. So on Saturday, me and Erica drove up to Santa Monica to one of the places that he reviewed um, called Vito's. And uh, he's like a sports guy. And the way he, he like rates his pizza places is like, there's not many eights and like, there's barely any nines. He's kind of like, it's like a seven is a good score. And so the place that we went to was an 8.2. Oh, what? It's a near perfect game there, bro. It was pretty damn good. New York style, super thin uh, pizza, like just really, really classic, not super overly thick. And I don't know like where along the coast from East Coast to West Coast, the thickness comes in because I feel like around here we get really thick pizza and I like the thin, the thin crust stuff. And the other thing is I I really start to appreciate just a plain piece of cheese pizza. Mm -hmm. So when we go there, we do a half and half. We'll do like a half, like some sort of meat or something. And then we do half cheese. And I got to say cheese right now is kind of like my game, which sounds weird. (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of the litmus, the litmus test for pizza though, you know, cause you you always have cheese on there, but. Yeah, and and the guy Dave Dave he only reviews all the pizza places. It's all cheese. So like, I wanted to I wanted to see where where it fell. So I and he gave it an eight point two, and I think it's like I think he's right there. I think it's on the money. It was a really good spot. Vito's Santa Monica. Nice. All right, Andrew, you've never heard of that spot, have you? I have not. I'd be excited to try it. Was it expensive? Yeah. Um, it was like 25 bucks for like an 18 inch pizza. It was like a big, they have one size, um, <laughs> but it was a cool spot. Like inside they had like records behind the bar and, um, it seemed like a vibey place, but obviously it was COVID. So there's nobody in there and all the tables were up. Uh, yeah. So that was one thing. And then the, the, that same day, me and Erica went and walked on the beach in Newport and, um, there was so much trash all over the fucking beach and we do it pretty regularly to the point that we, we like, it wasn't even enjoyable to walk down on the beach. So we decided to wrangle up a couple of our friends and grab some trash bags. And we actually went back down to the beach the next day and we spent a couple hours just walking around picking up trash. And, uh, I think we got like 40 pounds of trash in like maybe less than a a half mile of beach. Wow. And, and it was sad because the day before when we saw it, uh, it was worse and it makes me feel like a lot of that trash gets sucked out into the ocean. Um, and I should have got, I should have tried to do it that day, but, um, yeah, we found a lot of weird stuff. We found, um, like, like a bike seat and like a mouse trap or like a rat trap, like a big one. But then we found like, we found five needles um, like, like some of them were used, some of them hadn't been used, but it's like, just like sitting there in the, the, the tide line and shit. And yeah, it was really weird. I felt it was felt good to pick up all the trash, but like, sometimes you see all the shit that's in there, like styrofoam, just fucking everywhere. There's just 
that the shit gets en- everywhere. So I don't know. It's it's kind of discouraging to see trash on the beach, but it felt good knowing that we went down there and we picked some of that shit up. And uh, yeah, we might try to do it maybe like once or twice a month. So if you, do guys, you guys were to come to Pasadena and help me pick up trash here, <laughs> we have the same kind of thing where you just see these Why not? Uh, freeway exits. Yeah. I'll make you guys wings. Whoever wants yeah. to come, I'll make we'll have wings and trash pickup. Yeah. Fun. And I'm down to go to Newport and do the same thing. I fucking hate that shit. It's like so with bad. a fiery passion. Cause yeah. it's just like, you know, it's either, you know, uh, drivers who are assholes or tourists or whatever, or homeless people. And it's like, why don't we can obviously see that there's a shitload of trash here. Do we have like zero systems to pick any of this stuff up? Is it no one's job in like, all of you know uh, the public works that we have to pick up this trash yeah and do we can we i want to make signs that say don't fucking throw your trash here or something like like a really aggressive sign that says like you know and just put those in the places where we see all that trash like a, a sign that you would see like you know elect someone for mayor or something like that don't fucking litter <laughs> don't be trash but i like sh- it throw your shit in the garbage can yeah, I'm totally down. I mean, we're like just to like you know hang out with some friends and pick up some trash and you know give back to the community every now and then felt kind of good. So wings and and trash pick them. I'm totally down for it. Sounds good. But yeah, yeah. anyway, <laughs> that was my. Week. We have to pick and up trash still... before we ate though, because I feel like we're all going to be food coming after the wings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. You got to work up the appetite from picking up all yeah. the trash. <laughs> yeah. Doing all the good. We're going to make me hungrier than doing good for the community. Trash. <laughs> yeah, how, how you'd feel like such a piece of shit if you're like, well, we were going to go pick up trash, but then we just stuffed our faces full of a bunch of shitty food. We all fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. We got drunk and watched South Park. Yeah. <laughs> the idea was there. <laughs> we fucking did it. <laughs> yeah, it's like patting yourselves on the back. I feel like that's like, you know, half of everyone who thinks they're going to like start a revolution or something like that. It's just a lot of drinking and not doing anything and patting yourself on the back the whole time. Yeah, it's just talking. Yeah. What we oh. would do at a party like that, though, is we'd probably be listening to some music. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yes, oh. sir. We would definitely. Yes, sir. And uh, and and today, uh, today is a day, man. Today is a day uh, for music. Actually, I mean, really, January. Now that I think about it as a whole, January as a month as a whole is kind of crazy. Uh, specifically, like the first two weeks is kind of insane for like how much music history, how much crazy stuff has happened in the world of music, for um, birthdays and and uh, releases and things like that. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to do a little something I guess a little different than normal because I usually just pick something random and you know like whatever I'm listening to or something. But uh today actually uh is the 50th anniversary of um Janis Joplin's album Pearl. Oh wow. Which was their uh po- first post post posthumous post posthumous I don't know how you pronounce that word. Posthumous. Um, I'm an idiot. Post- I should have looked it up. Posthumous. posthumous. Anyways, uh, she passed away um, at the age of 27 in October 4th, 1970, and this record was released released exactly 50 years ago today on January 11th of 1971, which, yes, was 50 years ago, which is crazy. Um, 
And this one was a little bit different because she had a new backing band, which was the uh, Canadian rock band, the Full Tilt Boogie Band, uh, which was formed basically specifically for Janis Joplin. Um, and she also had the expertise of Paul A. Rothschild, who was uh, mostly known as the producer for The Doors. And the other cool thing about this record is it was recorded none other than at Sunset Sound in oh, wow. uh, California, which which, which I room? am very privileged. I don't actually know. I have to look that up more. I can't see it here. Um, you could probably look it up on the Sunset Sound website, maybe. Um, yeah. But I I neglected to do that. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to figure that out somewhere. Um, and yeah, this is this is a this was a little bit more refined because actually um, a lot of a lot of Janis Joplin stuff came across as kind of like garagey um, psychedelic kind of stuff. Uh, more just maybe a little bit less refined. This definitely like was a little bit more polished sounding than uh, a lot of her previous releases. Um, and yeah, I mean, it came out fifty years ago, uh, and it it obviously you know with the relevance of her passing at the time, it, it kind of shot up in the charts and, uh, it's been certified quadruple platinum and all this craziness. Um, and I just think it's a really cool record. I listened to it today, uh, and, and kind of looked back on it and I was like, man, this is, you know, this is cool stuff. Really, really cool. Super funky R and B. Um, definitely a departure from what I'm more familiar with hearing from her. Uh, and, and really cool, obviously a legendary record. And, um, I'm, I'm not the biggest Janis Joplin fan in the world, which is more to say that I'm not as familiar with her material as I am for, uh, say the doors or Jimi Hendrix, obviously. And, uh, I was like all the praise that she got as a vocalist was completely warranted, you know, totally deserved. Like a lot of people get hyped up and, it's like, well, uh, but you hear some of the stuff she's doing vocally and you're like, damn, she's like really, really killing it. Um, so I thought that uh, today I would play the first track off that record, which is um, not not necessarily a B-side, but also not necessarily the most, uh, most popular song she's ever recorded either. And uh, that song is called Move Over, and it was actually written by Joplin herself. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, hope you guys enjoy. This is from 1971's Pearl by Janis Joplin, which just turned 50 today. Let it rip. Nice.
Yeah, man. Dude, that organ of the it's end, cool. man. That organ stutter. There's a lot of cool stuff like that on this record, actually. Ah. Um, and I didn't realize that um, until I was listening to it today. I was like, oh, dude, there's like, you know, it happens when you don't listen to stuff for a while. And, and I kind of revisited this upon knowing that um, it had a, such a significant anniversary today. And I was like, dude, there's a lot of cool, like, guitar, keyboard, I mean, I mean, even bass and, and drums, yeah. like everything. The full band, like the whole band is like killing it, you know, really, really awesome band. Um, all the stuff I've seen from, from Janice, especially in like the early stuff, it kind of, it kind of had more of like the garage, um, kind of like acid rock vibe to it. Very like San Francisco sound. Whereas this is like kind of more in like the funky sort of hard R and B world, uh, a little more, a little more smooth and, and polished. And, uh, and really, really cool. It's a lot of really cool stuff musically and obviously um, amazing performances from, from Janice herself. So yeah. uh, I really like the, uh, and I know Hendrix did it a lot too, but like letting, having the guitar and the vocal kind of follow the same line and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yep. doubling up on that. That's stuff. really fucking cool, man. Like, yeah. And then it was, and it was, everybody came back together. What I loved about just how they arranged it was everything was like, okay, it's like, in and focused and everybody's doing the same thing and then it explodes into this giant mm-hmm. like yeah. soundscape and rocker man oh that's so cool yeah yeah there, there's a lot of songs that that follow that um on this record too um so for all you listeners out there uh if you like what i'm doing here if you like if you like what I'm, what you're hearing here in the podcast uh i got a playlist uh it's called henry's history lesson and it gets updated every week with all of these sorts of tasty jams, and uh, you know, just dig in, man. There's a lot of yeah. a lot of really really excellent albums uh, I've put on this playlist. And five uh, hours and eighteen minutes worth of yeah. hand-picked, curated music from Henry. Exactly, Jones. man. And uh, and it's it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger as we go down the road and of this can, journey. Where can you find the uh, the playlist? The playlist can be found on Spotify and uh, also in the link in the description. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked on it. It's it's definitely become kind of a fun weekly uh, passion project for me amidst uh, not being able to play shows and stuff like that. And, uh, and additionally, if you subscribe to our mailing list, I also send out a weekly uh, Henry's History Lesson every Wednesday email blast that uh, features the same thing, but in a YouTube version. So it's a slightly different variation, but instead you get all these cool old videos of, uh, you know, seventies rock bands and also modern, modern groups as well that, that I think are killing it. And uh, every week that goes out and uh, send you a new, whether it's a song or a full concert or a couple songs. um, I try to pick kind of unique stuff that, um, isn't ne- not not necessarily everybody has seen yet so uh you get that as well when you sign up for our email list dang yeah uh henry i feel like you've shown me some gold stuff and then i go listen to records of bands that you've recommended and i'm like it's not that whatever you recommended was bad it's almost that you fooled me because whatever you recommended me was so good that i went back to listen to that band i'm talking about one band in particular because it was who i was listening to uh <laughs> Lately, 
but it's a uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, because yeah. I remember what you showed us was so freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. And that band has like a million albums, so obviously, yeah. like you know, yeah. it's, you can't judge it off of one thing. And I don't think that's a bad band. But I went back and listened to the things that everyone thinks is popular. It could have been like any record on Burger Records like ten years ago. There's there's <laughs> so a like, lot of yeah. And then it's... like their their most popular song is this song called Rattlesnake, where it's oh, just yeah. them saying Rattlesnake <laughs> over and over and over again for like eleven minutes, and it's yeah. their most popular song. It's like you I don't fuck. I don't get that because they have <laughs> I, I feel the exact same way. There's a, like all their most popular shit is like the most garagey, and they're. And they're such good musicians. Like that's what I mean. So like, good. there's another record, and it's like you know Latin jazz, and I'm like, what the fuck's wrong yeah. with you guys? Like, you made the dumb burger, and then what's the fuck's wrong with people that like yeah. rattlesnakes? Your the best song. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's catchy, you know. I'm not. Yeah. I remember it. Rattlesnake. Yeah. Rattlesnake. Yeah. No, they, they're they're definitely you know it's it's it sort of brings about the point of like. Of like you want to you want to make diverse music to an extent, but they just make everything. They make literally everything, and and I mean I think it's definitely worked in their favor. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but yeah, like, it was great, especially for right now when stuff is so like yeah. you listen to it and you throw it away almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, like stuff's yeah. out and gone so fast that you almost have to treat like records. You did jazz records back in the day, you know, right. or you do one a year, you do two a year. And then like, mm-hmm. who gives a fuck? Like you just play whatever you want at a live show and people at the live show don't need to know the hits like they did, you know, in the eighties and nineties and you know, so on. It's just like a different thing. Yep. I feel like, and correct me maybe if I'm wrong, but also kind of in that garagey rock world, uh, it's almost like, a cool thing to be like, dude, we came out with five records this last year. Like, are you guys who are like, oh, like that guy did three solo records and produced eight other right. records and this, this and that. You're like, where the fuck do they find the time to do this? Yeah. Like, we have it like, now. We have all the yeah. time now. <laughs> and like, well, I don't know, specifically with like bands like that, I feel like it's like, Oh, we're just gonna crank them out like we, yeah. you know, like we're not like we're just gonna go and just do whatever and like. Well, well, what's crazy about those guys too is that I I don't remember if it was I think it was uh, either 2018 or 2017 I can't remember exactly which year it was they did five records in that year <laughs> and they were still touring and like most of the re- like like with the exception of like I don't know maybe a handful of songs out of the five records all of the stuff they did was like amazing. Like every single record was great with the exception of like, like, like literally a handful of songs that were like still good, but just not like, like I could skip this. Yeah. But it was all like, it was all really, really good. Yeah. Maybe they knew that to strike while the iron was hot. They're like, Hey, this this sounds good. Let's just keep doing it. (laughs) Five records later. Yeah. That's crazy. Insane. I like. Yeah, I do appreciate it for that. It kind of like unwound my brain a little bit, though, to go like get out of your own head. Not yeah. like not everything has to be perfect because no one's right. listening to everything. You know, I mean, right. it's like a small group of people. They actually work with the same company that we're going to work with sometime in the future here. To I don't know if I can say this because I don't know an exact date, but we're probably going to release live from Hawaii on vinyl um, through a specific oh, yeah. company in Europe, and I. I'm on their email list now, and King Gizzard came through working with the same company. Oh, wow. And, um, That's crazy. Uh, it, the company's, I actually didn't know, and they hit us 
us up, which is awesome. Yeah. They're pretty huge because I get their email list and they're doing things for like the Star Wars soundtrack and the Harry Potter soundtrack. Like they have some pretty wow. huge contracts. That's awesome. But um, the King Gizzard email that came through was a. Uh, I think it was one record, and then there was like six different artworks for that record. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. you could buy all of them, and they were all some kind of limited edition vinyl, which, what a great marketing tool. Right. Uh, when we get there, and that's the beauty of Diggers, is they actually act as a label without really owning anything. They just like want to make their money back on their vinyl and you know make some money, which is like... You know, an easy, uh, it's versus a record label which just wants to take all your money. You know, they're actually doing something for it. So, yeah, when you have that sort of freedom and that sort of fan base, you're like, yeah, whatever. Like, let's just make like, I don't know, six colors. Like, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> it's our pride yeah. edition. We're just going to come out with every color of the rainbow. And then, um... and if you collect them all, then you get like 10% off the store. Yeah. yeah. Man. Just we'll we'll do like a five pack of uh, of just the the singles like the splits, seven inches. So it'll just be, be track fun. by track and do like a like an album version. Uh, I've always wanted to do a seven inch club. If we can get to like you know a certain specific number of people like um, buying records, we could definitely do a seven inch club, and I'd love it, man. Like I so love fun. those like extra yeah. things that people do. That's such mm-hmm. a cool thing to collect and like. Um, like, someone just recommended the other day, when we posted the video of us doing Million Dollar Bill, they're like, oh, that's on uh, uh, Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes fame did this song, and uh, uh, it's on this, like, 7-inch they never released. And I'm like, I know Connor Oberst's, like, uh, catalog like the back of my hand. Like, he did not do this song, and I have no idea what you're talking about. And I went to, it wasn't on any streaming service, and I looked on YouTube, and the only video of it was someone literally playing their 7-inch vinyl into a camera. Wow. What? <laughs> That's crazy. And I was like, oh, our audience is sharp. And That's wild. dope, dude. That's awesome. And it was great. It was so different. Um, it was very, like, piano-based and, like, more, like, movie soundtracky. Yeah. And it was great. I, I loved it. I, I'm a big Conor Oberst fan in general. Like, he was big when I was 16, so, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that's never going to go away. When did Million Dollar Bill come out? Because I saw that comment, too, and I did, I thought, I figured that, that that band Middle Brother was a newer side project of all those other bands. So, it, it, um, all those bands were popular almost... 10 years ago now? Mm-hmm. I remember because so, yeah. I was in high school. 2010, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Middle Brother was... Uh, so th- that was originally on a Dawes record. So Taylor Goldsmith wrote that song. Mm. And then the Middle Brother was just another version with three people singing it, which is so much better because it's like such a cool... It's such... It's made for that. It's made for three people to sing it. Because it's so... Um, like... Steve calls it almost poetic or limericky. I feel like I write songs like that all the time where, like, you can't sing it that differently. It has to be, like, in that thing because it doesn't work if the shape isn't the same every time, right? So uh, it's made for three people to sing it because it's so the same thing every time. So as soon as you have three voices on there, you suddenly made it three times more interesting because you're singing the same melody for every verse. Yeah. And so then you come it, yeah, together on just, the chorus and, and harmonize and stuff. It's, it passes it around a little bit more. And I think that uh, record in particular, like, um, I, I like love that record and constantly go back to it. 
because of the production on it. The sounds on it are like just much better than any of those bands' records, to be honest. <laughs> like, when I think about production style and stuff like that, I'm like, uh, the drums on the Middle Brother record are some of the best-sounding drums I've ever heard in my life. So, Yeah. And, and side note for anybody listening, um, we are referencing a video. We did an acoustic video of a song called Million Dollar Bill that is by a band called Middle, Bro- Middle Brother. It is on our Instagram. If you want to check it out, the full thing, go there. Post a comment. Let us know if you like it or not. It's Andrew's singing debut in the band of singing a lead thing ever. So um. everybody seemed to dig it. We got a lot of good responses. Yeah. It was really encouraging. Yeah, not to say make- we wouldn't, but <laughs> I thought it sounded great. Yeah, this sucks. You guys fucking suck. <laughs> rock harder. And War, yeah. did, did a great job with with the camera too, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, you did. The, the thing that people don't know is that like we're not doing any kind of crazy mixing or recording it in any crazy way. It's just the camera audio. Um, so we really have to balance ourselves in the room. But when Warren actually points at the right person, and puts it in the right place, it sounds perfect because it's now next to their voice. So if you're not doing a good job with a the camera, then not only does uh, it look bad, but it sounds bad, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, great job with that. Hey, yo. Boom. And hopefully we're going to do some more stuff like that. So, yeah. I, I love doing stuff like that. Um, maybe it doesn't need drums next time. Or maybe you can play drums next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is funny, because everybody can play drums in this band except for me. I'm, I'm the only <laughs> shitty drummer in the band. You then you can be the percussion player. Yeah. <laughs> That's almost worse when you put the like bad guy at drum on like tambourine or shaker because it's like the <laughs> loudest instrument in the world. Yeah, like like the first first four years of this band before I got another keyboard. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. No, you were great at that kind of tambourine though. The fury involved a lot of notes your chest, and yeah. a lot of energy. You were really into it. No, I'm talking about at the wedding gig when you get the one drunk lady yeah. who like just uh, you know takes the tambourine away and the, thinks that the she's got to tambourine. Yeah. <laughs> Just fucking starts taking a solo like she's tree lock here too. Oh, man. That's a pretty deep cut for any <laughs> percussion people out there. <laughs> I feel like I'm that was like a Dennis Leary joke or something like that when he goes too deep into politics. <laughs> yeah, that went over my head. Yep. Everyone look up tree lock here too. <laughs> How do you spell that? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. It doesn't roll off the tongue very easy. Uh T R I L O K G U R T U. Tree Lock Gear 2. He's like one of the best percussionists in the world. Oh, yeah. I think I know that guy. We'll put a link in the description so all you guys can can listen to that. There he is. Check it out. Got it. For sure. Yeah. uh, I think that as we're talking about this recording, Warren had a really good idea for a topic tonight, which is basically like. Um, shitty recordings we did when we were very young <laughs> and what was it like how we think about them now like have we listened to them recently or what were you talking about or just like just like things that you did either that you you were so naive that you didn't know you were doing wrong or just funny situations that you thought you were doing it right and then you listen back this essentially all stemmed from I uh, I found a recording that I'd made probably when I was like 12 or 13 with my friend and uh i it just popped up in an, like an email or something the other day i listened back to it and it's so bad just everything about it is so bad it's almost like laughable and uh 
I feel like anybody who's spent any sort of time recording over and over has definitely had those things where they're like, well, like to try to get a microphone to work, I had to hang it off the ceiling over a fan <laughs> and or like the weird, stupid shit. And um, I guess I'll start with the one that I brought up is the first time I got Pro Tools, um, I didn't know how to use the metronome. So we were trying to <clears throat> build a track off of a metronome but we didn't know how to do it. So I just recorded my buddy playing the tambourine for like maybe three minutes. And then we just tried to write a song off of his timing for the tambourine and built this track. And it is so bad. Like the drum, <laughs> we like built drums over this tambourine that's already out of time and the drums are way off and it's like a reggae song and like the, the guitar is way off and, Everything is just horrible about this track. And it's just funny to think that it was like, okay, hey, we'll just kind of do this reference. I don't even know when it, this track's going to end. And yeah, uh, I just remember it so vividly at the time, just not knowing <clears throat> anything and just trying to go for it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I should, maybe I'll release like a clip of it so you guys can hear how shitty it is, but it's really, <laughs> yeah. Should we, should we just play, on. play some clips here? Just from, uh, oh, uh, let me see if I can find it. I'll try to send it to you. <laughs> oh, God. But I yeah, feel I like know, I need context. You here, something you know? similar, like, right? Not, not the whole, not the whole song, but, but I think it'd be cool to, to hear just a snippet of that. Let, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, I definitely have one. So, it, it, um, I recorded a metal band. It was actually my old roommate's metal band, um, and Dan from Eastman now. And oh my God. the caveat was I was going to play drums on it and produce it. And so something that I've learned now that I probably would never do again, um, Steven, my old roommate, had a uh, Line 6 Spider Half Stack. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's when, like, Line 6 reigned supreme yeah. with all the oh, amp yeah. modeling Middle and stuff mode. like that. Yeah. And so I'd already <laughs> seen people, you know, record amps at, like, full volume and blah, 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 blah. So we basically, like, turned it up to fucking, like, 9 or something like that and put it in one of his closets in his house and then ran this, like, big cable running from it. <laughs> and I listen to it now and I'm like, it sounds so fucking bad. Like, why did I run it at nine? Like, it, it, it just starts bleeding into everything, and the tone isn't tight, like what you really want in metal stuff. And there's no way to sort of get that back. It's just this awful, splatty, like, guitar tone, which nowadays I'm like, it's the total opposite. You want this punchy, like, really tight-feeling guitar tone, depending on what the song calls for. But really, like, a lot of the... What I would have wanted is this, like, nice, like tight transient thing with still a lot of dynamic to it and once you turn it up to 11 it's basically like a compressor where it like makes it so all the sound is now even and it's all yeah. gross and splatty <laughs> and i listen back to those recordings i'm like god that guitar sounds terrible there's a lot of stuff on it that sounds terrible like um the drums don't sound good because i actually played real drums on it and stuff like that <laughs> and that was the uh, that was the one session where i had to edit my own drums and it was like when editing drums on Pro Tools was like the new thing. It's like you could make drums sound perfect. You just have to cut up every note and then you and know be there until align next it to week. the grid. Yeah. And I made a promise to myself at that point. It was like you need to not suck at drums this bad, so no one ever has to do this work again, and you never have to do this work again of gridding your drums because it's like the worst. Yeah, but that's a 
That's one of my earlier recording experiences. I, I can share one more that's like I can laugh at now, but at the time it was like really crazy. So I recorded a ska band. I used to live at a house with um, a recording studio in the back house, and that was in Long Beach. And if you see the really old Georgia Mud video, we shot that in my house in Long Beach, in my garage. Uh, that was a recording studio. But I recorded this ska band there. And it was at the point in my life where I didn't really realize, like, if I wanted to produce stuff, I would have to basically, like, devote all of my time to it, right? Like, I was trying to go to school and produce stuff and work and do everything else. And I would just, like, have these, like, spare moments to ever mix. And I recorded the band. The recording always goes great and the engineering goes great. And I give them the first mix back, and they basically, like, hate it. And then Robert John and the Wreck went on tour. <laughs> so, like, I have none of my tools to mix anything. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, Brett, uh, Brent's my old roommate. Can you mix this thing for me? He's like, oh, yeah, sure thing. And I'm like, I'll make sure you get paid and blah, 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 blah. And he just never did it and then just never communicated any of that to the band. So they're basically calling me like, you know, and I think they paid like $200 for the recording or something, which I think now when people like shaking you down for money and they like, when I think about how much $200 is to a recording process, like I wouldn't even take that from someone. I would just like do it for free at that point. But, uh, they were like, you know, shaking me down. I'm like, I'm on tour. I can't do anything. Call my roommate. And I would call my roommate and he would just be like, oh, yeah, they called me a bunch of times. Isn't that crazy? Like, <laughs> totally never getting their thing back. And I'm like, what are, like, is this how people in the world are? You know, like, they just don't do what they say they're going to do all the time. And so that was another situation <laughs> where basically, like, I was like, I can't do anything. Like, I can't do anything. This is the mix. Like. You know, my hands are tied. But, you know, in the future, I would have just been like, give this to someone else or like, here's your money back. Like, you know, <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's awesome. Kind of piggybacking yeah, off, of your, uh, off, off of your uh, gritting the drums and, and everything. I didn't know because I was pretty much self-taught when it came to recording until, until at least college or after college. But... Um, I had no idea what quantization was. And in the early days, I was doing a lot of backing tracks for musical theater stuff, which, if you don't know, has like all these different tempo changes and rubato sections and everything. And in the early days, I was recording through a, a Roland uh, VS1824 digital recorder. So it wasn't even in, this was before GarageBand and before I was using Pro Tools and stuff. I just had. Can I this, describe that to people? It's yeah. basically just a big mixer, right? There's yeah. no computer. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredibly hard to use. And you have 18 tracks that are 16 tracks with eight channels in inputs, eight inputs that you can record into. And I was just doing keyboard for all this stuff. And it was keyboard strings and this, that, and the other. And I would always start with a piano guide track. But there was no metronome, there was no click, there was no visual or anything. So, like, half, half of these fucking recordings are like, I'm just listening on headphones and, like, concentrating. And I'm like, okay, the string part comes up for this, like, Hello Dolly thing that's like... It comes out of fucking nowhere, and there's no, like, guide on any of it. So, like, everything was just fucking completely disjointed and just sounded like crap and, and you know... That was the in the days of getting paid like a hundred bucks was like holy shit I'm gonna be rich. 
Yeah. Um, I could buy so much bubble gum and. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna burritos. do you know, fourteen days of work on this and stay up all night and everything for a hundred bucks that I'm gonna make in three weeks when I get this done. <laughs> That's hilarious because there's no good way to like sort of rewind. You just have to press the rewind button or yeah. like, you know, it's not that like wait, on a it laptop had, you can look where you go back to. It had like a loop cursor. It or something. Yeah, like it, it had a little L- LCD screen. Um, that was like a, like an old Game Boy, right? Like it's not yeah. <laughs> it's not like like the screens we have now. It was like literally there's just it shows you how far you recorded on any one of those 16 tracks. And so you just have to kind of like guesstimate where it was with the little scroll wheel, you know, on a screen about this big. And then there was no like, you know, crossfading anything. Like it was just punch in, punch out. So if I didn't get it in one take, I'd have to wait until the next tacit section for the third clarinet or some shit, you know. And uh, Henry's looking at us like we're crazy people. <laughs> it's like this is it's what people had back in the day before Pro Tools. Yeah, it's man. just these all-in-one boxes. <laughs> well, so I've used some of those before. And it, was, and it was fun when, like, you get into a room with different people. Like, I remember being, uh, I was uh, helping produce a uh, dinner theater up in northern Michigan that I did for a few summers. Um, and some of the cast members from this dinner theater and I would get together and, like, we just plug in you know, figure it out to eight channels and stuff and just record live. And like, that's fine. Cause when you're in the room together, like it was still loose and it didn't have very much, you know, processing internally that you could do with it. And it burned to like a, like a floppy disk drive or, or no, no, that one had the CD drive on it, which was cool. So it would like write the CD. You could like print the song at the end of it, but it was very, very basic shit. And that was that was always fine, and the timing was better for that. But yeah, doing those musical theater tracks on that thing was atrocious. Yeah, no way. Yeah, Hank. Oh well, I. So so the only thing I could really think of is is because um, I I um, my first laptop got stolen, and that had all of that shit on it. That had all my like first recordings and. There were definitely a couple of bad things out there, but but I one thing I seem to remember is is um, when I was in high school, um, I used to go to thrift stores and um, look for random music gear. So I found I found like a couple of cool things, and one of the cool things I found actually was a. Uh, you good? Yeah. Oh. You good? I'm getting is it? It's cool. a echoing. Steve. Yeah, there's like a bad echo. From who? Oh, it's gone now. I think it's gone. I think it's gone. Um, <clears throat> anyways. I used to go to thrift thrift stores and um, mark the time. You know, go to Goodwill, Salvation Army, whatever, and find. I found uh, I found an amp at one point that we've actually used on. Uh, we actually used on last night on the highway. It's like this old, uh, tiny little tube amp that sounds super awesome. It sounds like it's blowing up in a really cool and like musical way. Um, one of the things I found actually was a Tascam Porta Studio. Yeah, uh, the two four six, which is like one of the earlier models, and so I got I got into the cassette recording thing, but I was like not <laughs> I was like not a formed enough musician to like make good stuff with it because I because I was used to doing like garage band demos. So um, one of the things I remember doing is is uh, I I would get occasional guitar lessons. Um, I'm a guitar teacher. Uh, was was a multi instrumentalist as well. He was a really good drummer and really good keyboard player. On top of being an amazing guitar player, 
So I was like, oh, I want to make demos of like cover songs so I can make a demo and like pitch it to venues to like play bar gigs. And so we did a list of like five or six songs. And, um, and I just remember like trying to play over it and being like, my, I, I think I did rhythm guitar over the drums, like live in the room with like three mics. Cause that's all you could really do on that machine. And that was like, all I had, it was like three SM 57s in the room. And I remember overdubbing it and being like, Oh my God, I, this is un, like, I cannot record over this. This is not going to work. And just completely abandoned it. And I still have the tapes uh, in my garage from doing those sessions. And I have to I have to dig those up and find something I can play them on just to Dude, hear how bad yes. they are. Because I know my guitar teacher killed it on the drums, which made me sound even worse. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to dig those like, out. This, like sure. subpar rhythm guitar playing over over drums and like over like really good, you know, rock drums or whatever. And it was like... Oh man, <laughs> just not not ready for the honesty of recording the tape at all. <laughs> That's awesome. You still have them though. Yeah, I do. I do. I still have them. <laughs> we gotta get. We gotta find like a used Porta studio. I I have that one. Would, I just that would get just it. be fun to to do like a like a Porta studio record. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I gotta get it fixed though. I gotta get the um the cassette part of mine is broken, so mm-hmm. I just need to get that part fixed, and then it should be completely usable hell yeah i remember when when i was recording i think it was for for my uh what's love got to do with you single and we used a porta studio and just overdrove the the preamps but mm-hmm. to the point of distortion but because it's yeah it's a cassette machine like it sounded so cool like it was it sounds amazing it was it like a, really cool it, it was a uh, uh, uh justin norman was uh, playing guitar on that session and um yeah, I think he was. He went in through a couple pedals and then into the Porta Studio, and from the Porta Studio out into Pro Tools. So we just used it like as another, hmm. uh, as a saturation tool, and it That's sounded crazy. so rad, dude. Like it's mm-hmm. it's this almost like synthy sounding thing. That uh, check it out if you want. Yeah, I, I used the Porta Studio to record my uh, as as a preamp as like kind of as the same thing i plugged all the drum mics and stuff into the porta studio and yeah. um ran r- literally ran everything that i was recording vocals guitars all that stuff through a porta studio uh to record my my first album with my project king tree and the earth mothers so it was like the centerpiece of the entire thing was That's the, so the, cool. an early 80s task cam porta studio we just bring it back just use it as your amp yeah, like, the hard part is you have to like figure out a way to display it on stage where people see that you're I using know. it. Yeah, because that's always the like the most important part. Just the fifty-five inch Tom, you know, yeah. like you have yeah. to fucking see that giant thing like being plugged into your head. And you have to have it on yeah. like a stand or something. Yeah. Oh, you don't play out of a Tascam? Oh, they're the greatest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember when I didn't play out of a, uh, a yeah. Tascam. <laughs> I remember studio. when I didn't have a giant fucking two foot by. A foot and a half fucking Porta Studio next to my pedal board as my preamp. Yeah, only the real, you know, that's what the guitar players use now is we use Porta Studio, an entire fucking Porta Studio just for one channel of it. But you have to use a channel one. I'm so in. And just use one of the six channels on the six channel Porta Studio. Just for your one guitar. Just think of the possibilities. I got so much, (laughs) you got so much more room for activities, man. That's great. (laughs) 
God, that'd be amazing. That'd I'm be so down cool. for that. That sounds awesome. That that would be a really good thing for keys too, man. Just dirty up yeah. some of the road sounds and whirly and shit. Like, well, it just adds like a crispiness and a cool like. There's something it's that, really cool that about perfect using it. imperfection that yeah. came along with all that stuff. The the character and the preamps on those old those yeah. old tape machines is just so cool sounding. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Boom. There you go. All right. What do we got going on? We just released a brand new t-shirt. Oh, yeah, yes. the 70s t-shirt out and now. We've had that sick. t-shirt for a while. Yeah. I've had my love-hate relationship for it, but I feel like I love it now. It's, it's like comfy. It. It's just it kind of weird. It's kind of weird for me to wear because my face is on it. That's what is yeah. probably weirder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we got the 70s band tee, what we're calling it, um, in baseball shirts, men's and women's shirts, available at the Robert John and the Rec store. So um, go check that out. We I think got- we got samples of these back in October, and they came out really cool. Like, I'm really impressed at how these things print these days, and it came out, like, really crisp and nice-looking. Um, and I love those baseball tees. I can't wear them. They fit me weird. I don't know what happens. I have but, the same uh, problem. They're 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 comfy. They're comfy as shit. But I might not wear it out because it it just fits. I've got a different body type. I don't know but if your it's body type barrel fits those baseball tees. I think I think <laughs> you need to be like athletic. Like like uh, Henry always looks great in baseball. Yeah, Henry looks great in the baseball. Like you've got tees. like the right. You know why? The right you know why though? It's because the baseball tees are the vintage style. They're like ah. meant for skinny people. They're oh. all, Baseball tees I have are either actual vintage or they it's are pre- uh, made like to vintage spec. Hydrogenated corn syrup days. What's up? It's pre-hydrogenated corn oh, syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. No, they're, no they're, it's crazy because I'm like I'm a small like I like I wear a, a small pretty much all across the board. And uh, Aviator Nation, the place that gave me my uh, my my red sleeved baseball tee with the cool logo. Uh, I was there. I was like, oh, I'm a small. And the guy's like, no, you're going to want to wear a medium. I'm like, you're crazy, dude. What? Like, there's no way a medium is going to fit me. And I put the medium on, and I'm like, dude, this is like almost too small for me. This is like, this fits me like a glove, and it's a medium. They're like, yeah, wow. we we made all our shirts out of like the old school style cloth fabric, like two like old school vintage spec. And if I if I get like an old vintage seventy uh, shirt, like I'm a medium in those kinds of shirts. Because they're just wow. the the cut on the shirts is completely different. Interesting. All yeah. that to say, we have a new T-shirt out. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> check if you're gonna check the link in the description below. Um, there'll be a, a little link that says, "Take me to the coolest swag I'm going to buy this week." <laughs> um, also, me and Warren have been talking about the fact that I found about a hundred videos that we haven't used yet on a bunch of hard drives while switching to my new computer. Oh, yeah. um, we have everything from the last side on the highway live stream that hasn't gone live yet. We have a bunch of stuff from they're just like board mixes that we have from certain shows that are not live yet. Like we have a lot of stuff in the vault here. Now I'm going to take a look at um, what's cool and start releasing it like that. Maybe like add a small addition to the digital download package. If you guys like the demos of those stuff, we have like we have tons of stuff for days, crazy oh, yeah. jams and stuff like that, old demos and stuff and can you know make them into some kind of listen to listenable thing while we're working on this new record yeah uh yeah so uh with all that all that being said um we hope you guys have a uh, great week and and stay safe out there and get wrecked and um i'd just like to close out this week by saying uh 
I I can't really get to this part of the year without talking to somebody or seeing something or at least even thinking about um, David Bowie mm-hmm. because his birthday was uh, is January eighth, same day as Elvis's, and he actually passed away five years ago to the day wow. yesterday, which wow. is crazy. Um, and for me, I don't think about it a lot, but but. Uh, uh, you know the big the big movie for me was was uh, that got me into playing guitar was Led Zeppelin song remains the same and literally around that same time I also saw the um, the Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars live uh, concert film as well right around the same time and I would say in hindsight that was probably equally as impactful um, seeing you know David Bowie and his costumes and set changes and uh, the guitar player Mick Ronson and all that stuff and. Um, Obviously, that's just one phase of his illustrious career, but but uh, I just wanted to um, you know kind of pay tribute to him, I guess, in a little bit in, in a little bit of a way. And um, so, yeah, uh, we're gonna play out with a little soul love from the Spires from Mars, and uh, we just want to say, you know, be safe and be good to each other, and stay safe and get wrecked. And hope you have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Boom. What?